scripture reading for today can be found in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who comes from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We've been looking at passages that teach us about the Holy Spirit. And in this passage from John chapter 3, Jesus explains the work that the Holy Spirit does in bringing people to salvation, in bringing us to faith in Christ. And Jesus describes this work of the Spirit as being like a new birth. Verse 7, he says, you must be born again. And what I'd like to do is just make three observations uh, for us about this work of the Spirit, three three observations about the new birth. Uh, First, let's observe what the new birth is not, right, what it's not. Then secondly, what the new birth is. And then finally, I'd just like to talk about how to know if you've been born again. So what the new birth is not, what it is, and then how, how to know, how to recognize that it's happened to you. So first, what the new birth is not. I think this is important to point out because It seems like there are a lot of misperceptions these days 
uh, about the phrase born again or born again Christians. Um, the, the phrase, it seems to me the phrase is misunderstood um, both by Christians and by non-Christians alike. So for example, uh, many non-Christians have very negative associations with with the phrase born again Christian. You may have uh, colleagues or friends that just, that kind of turns them off. When they hear born again, they just, they think of, um, maybe they think of a religious subculture that's comprised of people who are, you know, they're politically conservative and they're culturally intolerant and they're morally smug and they're closed-minded and they're irrational and they're, you know, just not a lot of fun to be around. That's the, the image that a lot of people have of this phrase born again. In fact, one American author wrote this. She said, I would rather be a born once hog than a born again Christian any day. That's a pretty negative view, right? Another uh, writer, a journalist said, the trouble with born again Christians is that they're an even bigger pain the second time around. All right, so this is just the image that a lot of uh, non-Christians associate with that phrase born again, right? It's just that that's what they think. And you, you know, I'm certain that is not what Jesus wanted to bring to mind with this phrase, right? But it's not only non-Christians. A lot of Christians, I think, are, are also confused about what, what it means to say that you're born again. Many, many Christians think that you are born again if you prayed the sinner's prayer, if you came up to the altar, if you asked Jesus in your heart, if you joined the church, if you, you know, follow a certain kind of moral code, if you've done those things, um, then you qualify as, as being born again. In other words, many Christians would view the, the, the new birth as being the result of something that they did, something they themselves chose to do to, you know, kind of improve their lives. They prayed the right prayer, they joined the right church, they are living the right way, therefore they qualify as born again. Now, the problem with that view is you'll notice that the man Jesus is talking to in this passage, the man, the man who's informed by Christ that he needs to be born again, he was a person who had essentially done all those things. Or at least, I guess you could say he had done the first century equivalent of all those things. Uh, verse 1 says that this man, Nicodemus, was a Pharisee. And so you can just assume from that that he was a very morally upright person. He lived the right way. We read that he was, he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. It means he was very involved in his faith community and highly regarded by, by others in, in, the, in, in the synagogue. Verse 10, Jesus calls him Israel's teacher, meaning that he was a recognized Bible scholar. He knew all the right doctrine. He held all the right views. His, his theological convictions were perfectly orthodox. And if you look at what he says, what Nicodemus says in verse 2, you realize that he had a very, very high view of Jesus. He said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. This is sort of, sort of like his, this is his confession of faith. He's saying, I believe. I, I believe Jesus was sent by God. I believe Jesus can do miracles. I believe that God is present and active in the ministry of this man, Jesus Christ. So the, the, the words and the actions of Nicodemus, they were basically the first century equivalent of, uh, you know, walking down the aisle, saying the sinner's prayer, joining the church, living the right way. In other words, this guy Nicodemus, he was doing all the things that 
Well, he's doing all the things that in the minds of many people today would, would translate into their understanding of what it means to be born again, right? He was doing all these things that, you know, today we'd say, that's a born-again guy. And, and, yet, and yet Jesus said to him, Nico, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. So what I think you can infer from that is that whatever, meant, what, whatever Jesus meant by this phrase, the new birth, being born again, he was talking about more than merely um, moral reformation. Would you agree with that? He's talking about more than just cleaning up your act and, and having the right beliefs and saying the right prayer. It's, it's, it's got to be more than that, more than just joining a church, more than, more than just, you know, um, publicly adhering to the right doctrine, the, the new birth. In other words, he's, Jesus here is not talking about something that you and I choose to do. All right, if that's what the new birth is not, then what is it? What is the new birth? Well, the new birth is not something that you and I choose to do. The new birth is something that God the Holy Spirit does for us. You can say he does this for us, he does this in us, he does this to us, but the point is, he's the one who does it. And you can, you can understand that merely from the metaphor that Christ uses to describe this work of the Spirit. What does he call it? He says it's like a birth. It's like, just think about birth. Listen, you did not give birth to yourself, did you? Someone else did that for you. Your mother gave birth to you. On your birthday, maybe your mother gives you a present. You should probably give her a present on your birthday, right? She's the one who did all the work. You, you didn't you did not give birth to yourself, and Christ would say, neither can you give the new birth to yourself. Someone else, the Holy Spirit, He does that for you. One well-known Christian author named J.I. Packer, he wrote this. Um, he said, the new birth is the spiritual change wrought in the heart of a person by the Holy Spirit in which his or her inherently sinful nature is changed so that he or she can respond to God in faith and live in accordance with God's will. He said, it is an inner recreating of fallen human nature by the gracious, sovereign action of the Holy Spirit. He went on to write, the new birth originates not with us, but with God. It extends to the whole nature of the human being, altering his or her disposition, illuminating his or her mind, freeing his or her will, and renewing his or her nature. So being born again, it's, this is not a club that you join. This is not something that you sign up for and you prove that you're worthy. I can call myself, I did all the right things, I'm born again. No, it's, it's not something you do. It's something the Spirit does for you. In verse 7, when Jesus said, you must be born again, that's not a command. He's not using the, the word must like a, you know, like a parent might say to their child, you must eat your vegetables. No, this is, this is not a command. This is a statement of fact. It's, it, it's, it's, it, rather than being like, you must eat your vegetables, this is like saying, you must be 18 to get your driver's license. When I say that, I'm not commanding you to be 18. How can I command you to be 18? I'm just stating that this is what has to happen to you, right? You must be born again. This has to happen. This needs to happen to you. Verse 5, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the Spirit. 
Another way of saying born again, he says born of water and of the Spirit. People have wondered, what does he mean by water? We're clear he's talking about the Spirit. Is, is he talking about, you know, physical birth, the amniotic fluid? Is he talking about baptism? Those are possible. I think what's more likely, because Jesus kind of scolds this Bible scholar, this Old Testament scholar, for not understanding what he's talking about, I think that Jesus here is just alluding to something that they would have known from the Old Testament, a promise, very beautiful promise that God made to the people of Israel in Ezekiel 36. And it, it, basically, this is the promise that God made. God said to Israel, in, when the Messiah comes, God said this. He said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and I will put a new spirit in you, water spirit. God said, I will take away your heart of stone. I will give you a new heart. You will be my people. I will be your God. In other words, it's this promise that somehow through the Holy Spirit, in the, in the, when the Messiah has come, God will make people new. And listen, that's what the Holy Spirit does for people when they're born again. Now, people will describe this in many different ways because they experience it differently. But here's, here's the way one teenager described um, the new birth, how it came across to him. He said, it was like on a hot day and you're dirty and you take a shower. Only I felt like the shower was on the inside. And it was even more than just getting the mud washed away. It was like something else came in. Now, the thing to notice um, here is that according to Jesus, the new birth is essential. I mean, to enter the kingdom, to later it talks about to receive eternal life, to, to, to know God's salvation, His saving work in your life. Jesus said, this is not optional. This is essential. Verse 3, Jesus said to um, Nicodemus, very truly, I tell you. Whenever Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, that means, listen, I really, really mean this. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. I mean, forget about entering the kingdom of God or, you know, don't even worry about embracing the kingdom. Jesus said, you can't even see it. You can't, you can't even see the kingdom. You won't even recognize it unless you're born again. So it might be, I don't know, maybe uh, some of you, if you have a, a friend or a loved one who's not a Christian, you share the gospel with them, they just like, they don't care, they don't listen. You know what? I think Christ would say, please, don't get mad at your friend. Don't do that. Don't, don't get angry at them. Because why? Because no one can see the kingdom unless the Spirit does this for them. First Corinthians 2, verse 14 says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. You know, Nic Nicodemus is a, great, a good example of this. Nicodemus is a moral person, right? He is a Bible scholar. He's, he's an extremely devout man, and it's like he couldn't understand a word Jesus was saying. Now, it's interesting, later in the book of John, there's evidence that, you know, the penny starts to drop. Nicodemus starts to understand. His life seems to be changing. So maybe, maybe what Christ is describing here happened to him. But at this stage, all of his Bible study, he couldn't, he couldn't understand the gospel from the lips of Jesus himself. No one can until the Spirit does this to them. 
So I think you could say this, that um, we are saved through faith. I hope you know that. But our, our faith is not the cause of our new birth. Faith is the result of the new birth. An Anglican uh, bishop named J.C. Ryle, he wrote this, the change which our Lord here declares to be necessary for salvation is not merely reformation or amendment or moral change or outward alteration of life. He said it is a thorough change of heart, will, and character. It is a resurrection. It is a new creation. It is passing from death to life. It's, it is the implanting into our dead hearts of a new principle from above. And he said all of this and nothing less is implied when Jesus declares that we need a new birth. And I don't know if, if you realize this, but um, I mean, this might just sound astonishing that God would do this for people. Just make them so new inside they see the beauty of Christ and they recognize their need for Him and they come to Him in faith. But did you know, listen, it sounds unusual, but it's not uncommon. For centuries, all over the world, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of men and women and boys and girls, listen, from different cultures, from different languages, from very different church traditions, they have experienced this work of the Spirit in their life. They have been born again. Now, they'll describe it in very different ways, all right? And people will experience this in very different ways. We're not all the same, right? But hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, God has done this for them. Well, how would you know if it's happened to you? That's, that's my third point. How, would, how do you recognize if you're, how do you know if you're born again? Well, notice at the beginning, at the beginning of this passage, we are told that to enter the kingdom we must be born again. At the end of the passage, we're told that if we believe in Jesus, we've entered the kingdom. We have eternal life. Let me just repeat that. At the beginning, we're told that to enter, to enter the kingdom, you must be born again. And then we're told if you believe in Jesus, you've entered the kingdom. So I think you can conclude from that that, listen, if, you, if you're truly trusting Christ as your Savior today, are you? If you are trusting Christ as your Savior, that trust is evidence that you've been born again. First, first John 5 verse 1 says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone who believes, really believes, has been born again. So genuine faith in Christ. And when I say genuine, you'll understand what I mean. It's so easy to just kind of say, yeah, I believe, I believe, yeah, sign me up, I'll be a Christian. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something, did you just know, you know what? I'm not the best Christian in the world. Sometimes I think I might be one of the worst. But I trust him. I, I trust that he really did die on the cross for me. I trust I'm placing my hope for eternity in him. I'm trusting. Listen, if you have that kind of faith, that faith is evidence. The new birth happened to you. Now, you may not remember. <laughs> you may not remember when it happened. That's okay. Listen, I don't remember when I was born the first time, right? But I, I'm pretty confident I was. I mean, my, listen, my, my heart is beating, my blood is flowing, there's breath in my lungs, I must have been born, right? And it's, it, it's the same way many people would say, I don't, I don't exactly remember. 
the, the moment I was born from above, born of the Spirit, but I do know this. Oh, I trust Jesus. I trust Jesus. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of doubts. Sometimes I really struggle, but I am trusting Him. Listen to me. If that describes you, did you know that the Holy Spirit is the one who brought that to pass? He gave this new heart, this new nature, this new birth to you. If, it, if he hadn't, you wouldn't be trusting Christ right now. First Corinthians 12 verse 3 says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, you can say those words, Jesus is Lord, and anyone can say the words. You could train a parrot to say those words, right? But, it, but I think what the apostle means is no one from their heart can just say, Jesus is my Lord, I trust him, unless the Spirit has done this in them. So gen, genuine faith. Do you trust Christ? It's evidence of this new birth in you. Now, what if you don't believe? And maybe, maybe some of you don't. You just mean, just be honest with yourself. I don't think I really believe. If that's the case, I, do, I want you to know, I, I realize that I can't, I can't make you believe. No one can make you believe. I think Christ would say you can't even make yourself believe. I mean, but, but here's what I want you to know. I want you to know this. The Holy Spirit can do that for you. He can. Listen, don't, I just... If you're struggling with faith and you're not sure you believe, I want to ask you a favor. Don't, don't write yourself off. Please do not assume that you are beyond the reach of God's salvation. Don't do that to yourself. I, I get the sense Nicodemus was kind of flirting with that idea, just kind of giving up. They just kind of thought it was impossible for him. Jesus talks about being born again. Verse 4, he's like, how can someone be born where they're old? I'm too old. Too much water under the bridge. Too many mistakes in my past. There's no way this could happen to me. Again, in verse 9, he says, how can this be? I, so I, I could be wrong, but I kind of get the sense that Nicodemus just, he was starting to think it was too late for him. Would, would you agree with me that it's never too late for anyone, Right? If you're, listen, if your heart is beating and you're breathing the air of this planet, it's not too late for you. It is not. So did you notice what Jesus said to Nicodemus, this man who just kind of feels like, I don't, this can't happen to me. You see what he says to him in verse 8? He said, Nicodemus, the wind blows wherever it pleases. The wind blows wherever it wants. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In other words, he's saying, Nicodemus, you cannot stop the wind. You might try, but you can't stop the wind. The wind is going to blow whenever, wherever it wants. And he's saying, listen, Nicodemus, you cannot stop the Holy Spirit from lovingly breathing life into whomever he wants, whenever he wants. So if you're struggling to believe, I'd just say, listen, whatever, whatever excuse you might have for thinking that God cannot work in your life, the Holy Spirit can just change that in an instant. And to close, let me just say it might be, I don't know, it might be that the Holy Spirit is doing that here today for someone right now. It might be that just right now you're just sensing uh, something saying, trust Jesus. 
You got a million questions, a million doubts. You got sins you don't know what you can, can do about. But just this, this quiet voice saying, trust him. Just trust him. Just trust him. I, I want to encourage you that, if, you know, when, when you sense yourself being called to trust in Jesus, just to realize that this is evidence of God's love for you, calling you. You, you probably know that famous verse, John 3.16, near the end of this passage. It says, for God so loved the world. Do you live in the world? Yes, you do. And that means God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave, his, he gave his one and only son so that whoever trusts in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. He's calling you to trust him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for not leaving us in the deadness of our sin or the hardness of our heart, if you left it up to us to have the wherewithal to respond to Jesus, we never would. So thank you, thank you for sending the Spirit to make us new. Thank you for sending the Son to make us yours. And we invite that specific work of the Spirit today to bring new birth, new life, new joy, new hope, new faith, to all your children here, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.